1: I'm Richard Wolinsky, and we're talking about books, about theater, about film, about television, and from time to time, even about KPFA Pacifica Radio. Paul Kantner, who died on January 28, 2016 at the age of 74, was one of the founding members of the great San Francisco band Jefferson Airplane, later one of the founders of Jefferson Starship. A legendary vocalist and songwriter, Kantner was known for his melding of rock and roll and science fiction in his lyrics, especially in the Airplane album After Bathing at Baxter's and in his great solo effort, Blows Against the Empire. On February 9, 1984, my co-host at the time, Richard A. Lupoff, who's a well-known science fiction writer in his own right, was hired by Heavy Metal Magazine to interview Paul about the relationship of science fiction and rock and roll. Dick Lupoff brought me along to Paul's place in Marin County because he knew I was a huge Kantner fan. We wound up talking with Paul in a barn adjacent to his house. I think that's what I remember. Before we started, Paul lit up a doobie and offered us hits. I declined, but Dick took a few unbeknownst to either of us this was not an idle gift as Grace Slick later told me because Paul had smoked so much dope when he was younger marijuana no longer affected him and as trolley cocky who collaborated with airplane guitarist Jorma Kalkinen on the song ice cream Phoenix on crown of creation also told me airplane weed was always powerful stuff and Paul used to give this to reporters to watch what happened Within minutes, Paul remained fine, but you pretty much had to sweep Dick Lupoff up from the floor. We set the microphone on a tree stump halfway between all of us. The interview was not meant for airplay, and we weren't focused on the sound, and the conversation was, to say the least, free-ranging, mostly because Paul's mind didn't seem to focus on any one item, and Dick spent half the afternoon trying to stay upright. On top of everything else, Paul mumbled. After a lot of noise reduction efforts and filters, multiple editing passes, and whatnot, you're about to hear the most decipherable 19 minutes from the 70 minutes of recorded material. Special thanks to my old elementary school classmate, Dennis Weiner for guidance on the remastering. But as they say, all the faults are mine. Stick with it. Paul tells a great Reverend Ike story at the end.
2: You have a recent album. Who's your audience?
0: I have no idea science fiction freaks, edgies,
2: Edgies. people who are out there on the edge Uh and look for it and sort of ride it like a wave. You've been in this business for a long time. We never called it a business per se. We we haven't been in
0: business very well, actually. For example, on my record, I blew the entire
1: promotional
0: campaign on it by telling the vice president of RCA that he was a fucking liar and he better not talk to me again or he was going to be fired once he did it right. He lied to me. He's a new guy who just came in from Columbia Records, we're real, sort of the Sharks. That's where they swim real fast, and Jefferson Airplane would probably never have survived in Columbia. But once you, like you have one bad record there, <laughs> you're gone. At RCA they're more, I'm not quite sure what they are, they're not Sharks. And then there's sometimes a little humanity there. In this case, though, this is a guy who had just come in from Colombia recently, a failure in Colombia, and was in, had been brought into RCA for, well, I don't know why, it was there, in any case, in charge, and, and he just lied to me to my face and expected me to take it. And, and, what, what, what did he say? Well, I had come up with a great promotion for the, for the record. Like, on the record, I scratched my phone number. There's a whole series of backwards elements in the record. That if you were to decode them and, and call me move, and get my phone number from the to right, give me a call and give me the answer to the thing, I'll give you my Porsche, right? And it's well, a great, it's a great idea, right? They even recognized it was a great rock and roll kind of promotion, sure. you know oh, what it's I wonderful. mean? Porsche is the rock and roll car, although they're not as good as they used to be. But it was a great idea, and they went for it. And so I went around and, and started working it out and telling parents people about it, and then the guy just backed off it for whatever reason. He didn't ever say what. He said, no, I, I didn't say that. He said, yeah, you said that. So he said it in front of him, 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 and him. And eventually we were at a dinner with the president of RCA and this guy. And I just said, no, you can't lie to me. You did you do that. You're screwed. And he just got up and walked out. I never talked to him again. And about two months later, he was, he was fired. He was not only fired from RCA, he also had to leave the country. And he ended up over in England. I'm not finished with him yet. I'm going to dog him for about another five years. I learned long ago you just have to ignore a certain amount of things that go on. Or you go crazy. I mean, with all the seeming injustice of the world and people getting away with so much, if you you have to concern yourself with all this all the time, you just go crazy. So you don't. And you (laughs) deal with things that you can deal with. You can have an immediate impact on. And then if you have any energy left over, you can deal with those. To get back down to earth a little bit,
2: you started 20 years ago.
0: I think it was a continuation of the spirit of the Kennedy. At least in this country, we know, that raw, exuberant, zest
2: of life. A reference to this in your new album, the Silver Boy line. They shot my Silver Boy.
0: Well, that's that's more in reference. Well, yeah, it referred both to John Kennedy and
2: John Lennon. When you started then, back in the 60s, and I remember the first time I saw the airplane at the Fillmore East, I came from my office. I didn't have time to go home and change. So I came from the office in my suit and white shirt and tie, and sitting there, stoned and sweating, and slowly peeling away layers of clothes. Middle of the winter, of course, New York in January, dying. You reached a certain audience then, and and when I said, you know, who's your audience? This 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 was not just a wide open type question. Where where I had in mind specifically is, uh, are these same people? Still there, have they sort of grown up with you, and now they're, you know, like turning middle-aged or whatnot?
0: Some, yeah. Oh, you, you, get a, you get a turnover, of course. Some people get tired of writing a Yeah, we have a lot of old fans still. There. And you get a whole sped of new fans,
3: too, hopefully. One of the things about Jefferson Airplane, even in its early days, was the literary nature of the band, starting with White Rabbit, which I guess is after Grace joined, but then Rejoice... Where did you pick up on Rebirth by John Wyndham, The Crown of Creation? I, I just
0: read that when I was in high school, yeah. or not, maybe maybe college, I don't, long ago, you know. Yeah. And you, and whenever I read things, if I see a neat line or a neat idea, I'll just write it down in my book. I like to turn people on to books like that. Heinlein. Too. I wrote. I wrote a letter to Heinlein once asking asking him if I could use certain ideas. I can't remember which song or which book now, but, but he wrote back to me and he said, Oh my God, you're the first person out of thousands who stole my ideas. Rich has permission, I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. And he said, "My gardener went to, to tell Marty Ballin that my gardener went to high school with him. <laughs> so <laughs> blah, blah. <laughs> so it was a, that was me. But yeah, we're, we're all English majors. <laughs> My novel is very much inspired, and I'm, I'm not comparing it in quality, but it's very much inspired by the way Vonnegut writes, that sort of, sort of little bits. Read one little bit, and it would be amusing and enlightening. And, or you could read you know, chapters and chapters and chapters and enjoy each little bit. He was really made for our generation, our short, winky
2: attention span, and <laughs> all that sort of thing. Since you mentioned uh, admiring Vonnegut, I want to see two questions first. What other science fiction book are you particularly interested in
0: I mean the the, the standard one has them on time? You know what series
2: called Cities and Flight by like James Lynch. I seem to think I read it many years ago, I mean, I don't it struck me that there John are John Brunner.
0: Me. I mean there's any number of stuff like that, but I once I read it I put it back in my computer and I don't really have any reason to call it
2: out. <laughs> you read any Phil Kid Dick? Yeah, I mean Phil was in the studio and we were talking about Music and what he likes. And he was talking about two people in particular, David Bowie and Grace. And he cited Flows Against the Empire. He
3: all, Grace. Yeah, he also cited. Uh, no, the album, yes, yes
0: nice right. on there.
3: Also, uh, the song uh, Dragonfly, I Never thought there The Corners in Time. That's right. Uh, oh, he that's loved not that? The title of it. No, no,
2: it's um, Hyperdrive. 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 Yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah, it was very fun. There is such a huge overlap between. Science fiction and rock and roll. It's not
0: that huge. It may well, seem huge to us within science fiction looking out. Yeah. I think on an overall whole, science fiction is not that popular of a framework. I mean, it's popular, but it's not as popular as, say, David Bowie is. It? It's not a big.
2: Oh, no, that's not what I mean. What, I, what I'm at is, is the, the people who are interested in both. Yeah, oh, sure. And every place that I've the ever seen, you know, through the music world, it's just full of science fiction notes.
0: Yeah, I was speaking of musicians, yeah. that you're going through the whole audience as well, Well, of which I am as well, well an audience. Yeah. and Patti Smith talks about the rock and roll community, yeah. being a, a certain yeah. group of people. She's sort of science fictional in a quality of yes, she, is. she isn't oblique or, or outright science fictional, but just something about her. She's science fictional you know. without being science fictional. Yeah. She's like a character in a science, in a future thing who writes strange things, but she doesn't have any of the... Science fiction world around her, she's just Patti Smith yeah. in this world. Yeah. But I sent something anyway. She said about our generation having a certain continuity and being drawn together by following certain ideas. And I think science fiction is one of the outstanding yeah. yeah. things A lot of us are involved with.
2: Whose music, music do you listen to now?
0: Peter Gabriel. Joe Jackson.
2: What about the? Are you doing any?
0: Oh, yeah, we're taught. As what most are, I mean, they're they're, they're promotional and we're not movie directors, so we're in a, in a new field.
3: Have you thought of doing a video for any rock and roll orchestra
2: taking it into areas? Well, we did a
0: video for rock and roll orchestra, but just, the, just a promotional
2: video. Well, I guess what I'm after is, is what you feel your direction of movement is going to be over the next five years, ten years, oh, or I don't, whatever I don't you feel know like, next, over the next three
0: weeks. We've never known yeah, that. Yeah, that's better. The next three weeks, <laughs> we're going to be finishing a record and uh, playing.
2: What about now, Planet Earth, is a record album, but you talk about it also as a novel, you talk about it also as a film?
0: Well, I wrote it as a film. No, I mean, I didn't write a film script, yeah. but being a movie person, kid, generation kid, I wrote, it just lapses into that, it almost like this conversation lapses back and forth, yeah. from subject to subject. At times, it lapses just into a movie reference framework, from things like, just pretend you're the camera. And you're doing this, so you can take a, a reader into a film-like thing, and asking the reader to be the camera. Sometimes, right along on the page, on one side of the page is, is the movie thing, and the other side
2: of the page is the conversation. Do you know what are the works of Michael Workup? Like? Yeah, not well. He's a musician. Back to Planet Earth. What's the status of the novel now? You have a complete manuscript. Yeah, I mean it's a total experimental work,
0: and I don't. It's. I mean it's not. What publishers would normally expect or accept, How
3: did RCA respond to your putting out You and Me and Pumil as a single?
0: Well, that was what I say. That was our non business like year. And they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do with us ever. They wanted us to cut our hair the first time they got us. It's like in, in in America, women, when they marry somebody, they always want to change them. Yeah. They love them for what they are, supposedly, and then when they get married, they say, oh, well, you've got to change this, 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 this. And RCA tried to do that. And eventually, we just started smoking in the studio. For a while, they were sort of like the, the country store kind of approach, where nobody was quite new enough about what they were doing to be a shark. About it.
2: And they would always give us a pretty good deal. You have full control of your own
0: as much as we can get anywhere. Although on NBC, we just did a, a music show, just a lot of bands, so Chuck Berry and some groups like The Temptation. And even in this day and age, the people on the show said we couldn't do White Rabbit because it was a drug I mean, We didn't even ask oh, to do White Rabbit or wouldn't want to. You know, we were, yeah, But they said, you know, you can do anything with yeah. White Rabbit. Oh, yeah, so we saw <laughs>
2: that, that the issue would even come up. Yeah,
0: that was sort of silly. In older days, we would have just done it. It was it's that sort of grace level in the band that she brought into the band. Like before, it was all on Jefferson At the same time, which is nice. I mean, in those yeah. days, it was that was what life was about, and it needed that. But while we were so sweet and lovable, sort of Beatles-like, Grace Grace's group, the Great Society, yeah. came out with a with a with a pen that says the Great Society doesn't really like you very much at all or something like that, <laughs> just to be the black side mm-hmm. of it, You know what I mean. This is for heavy metal. Do you read it regularly? Heavy metal. Oh yeah, I love the drawing. I started getting into drawing things on my. When I was doing my novel, just drawing little ideas of what was going on, either for remember first, just to remember setups, you know, to describe it later. And then I actually, I've never drawn before, and so it was a great step up, as crude as it was for me. And so, and I got into heavy metal as being a great inspiration for a whole lot of levels.
3: When you were a kid, what comics did you read? I was telling him Captain
0: Marvel. 49 to 52. Detective comics was in Batman comics, I remember. I forget it. When Lulu was around. Yeah, I didn't get into that the superheroes element. I was into and out of it before that came in. Marvel comics, a lot of Marvel comics, in. before Submariner type people. They we're like the Green Hornet, Batman, Green Lantern, I remember, yeah. Superman. In heavy metal today, which ones do you like? I like the little short things, generally.
3: What are your favorite science fiction
0: movies? 2001. Things to Come. Oh. Wings Over the World. Right. The Forbidden Planet. Right. Yeah, Oh, yeah. That was excellent. Destination Moon. Monster movies I didn't like. I thought were really lame. All those Japanese. Stupid- you ever get into Star still, Trek? I love Star Trek.
3: Yeah. Hypothetical situation. Let us suppose a Steven Spielberg or a Doug Trumbull. Somebody who you knew could protect you from...
0: From the gangs. Oh, that would be from. ideal, yeah. The largest scope and the best yeah. actors and movies that themselves are science fiction. If you think of all the things that have just going on in this century, we're in space. And in a hundred years, we can a paper glider at Kitty How far are we going to go in space? That's the key, too. If, if, once we get in space, it doesn't matter if we blow ourselves up. Because then we've already germinated the universe. And it's not the end of the human race. I don't know that that's important to anybody but the human race. But that seems to be what plants and animals are supposed to do, is regenerate themselves. And so once we get off the planet, that's a huge, that's what I mean by a huge evolution in every step, that we're no longer dependent upon worrying about assholes, blowing it up or whatever. There's a song I'm doing now where it's a post-nuclear war situation and there's a girl, Lightning Rose, off one of our previous albums is leading a band of people against this domed city of, of survivors who are in the city and, and she's out. And there's a line in, in, the, in the song All oh, the end chorus of the song is sort of like that kind of a hate Jude, na, 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 with somebody singing, and there is no more New York, no more London, no more Paris, and no more MTV, and no more RCA Victor, and, <laughs> and, and, and Yale is a sheet of radioactive glass 30 miles across, and then the end of the first section, and there are and there are no more bombs, and there are no more Russians, and some voice comes out, there's no more assholes, so sort of hopefully, and another voice comes in, there'll always be assholes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: On the new Starship album. Yeah, that's
0: what we're going to do. Do you have
2: a name for the
0: album? I think we're going to call it Nuclear Furniture. Several of the songs deal with nuclear situations, but not in your standard sort of protest. Okay. Like the story of Rose goes over two songs, Rose Goes to Yell and another song called Champion, which is Rose is like a champion. On one level, it's funny and science fictional, but on a regular level, I'm sure he insulted a lot of other people, you know, worse than he did yeah. me. And, he, and, he, and so that, I'm sure, contributed to getting his fire. But when I did I also went through a whole series of as occult as I could get, like I'm not a believer in either God or the devil, and but but as occult as I could get, as far as focusing on getting this guy fired, you know, from from like having his face with a big knife sticking in, it, uh, <laughs> to like sending him a big black dot, or actually don't tell him that because I'm still working on another guy from RCA. <laughs> 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 but but, uh, but but even to my the guys who produce my albums are, are uh, turned me onto the Reverend Ike. That oh, turned me sure, on to him, sure. but I knew him and I admired him from the past, but got me onto his mailing list, right? So I put, I put, I asked Reverend Ike to get me into his prayers to get rid of this guy who was being so cruel. Like Reverend Ike sent me a thing. I don't know if you've ever been familiar with him. Oh, but I love Reverend Ike. You I'm sure. Well, he doesn't have his TV show anymore, but but that whole thing of uh, if, if your money's, if you think your money's evil, send it to me and I'll clean it up. Well, he sends out these little things now that says, he sent me this whole thing about check off your needs, right? Send me twenty seven dollars by six thirty seven tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> and check off your needs. And I'm gonna pray for you personally. So I sent him seventeen or whatever, put it in, checked off my needs and business needs, you know, having trouble with the person who's get rid of this guy, blah blah blah, and send it to him. So I'm you know, going along a couple of days later, I get somebody shows me a picture of a Hollywood reporter and says, Don Ellis, VP of RCA Victor. There's rumors going around that he's going to be fired soon, you know, just out of the blue. You know, because he's in a position of power. Control. he's running everybody ragged. And so, hey, that's pretty good. You know, things are going along. Thanks, Reverend. And and then about two, maybe a week later, the Reverend sends me another follow-up. You know, send fifty-seven dollars by eight eight thirty tomorrow night, and he sends a little metal star. Little thing, I don't know what you use them for. You can get them in hardware stores. There's a little punched star. Take this star and put it in your shoe overnight. Uh, think on your check off your things and put them back in the envelope and send it back to me with fifty-seven dollars by whatever six thirty on tomorrow night. And well, and I say, well, I already did it. I sort of ignored it. No, I, I sort of didn't. You know, I did it once and that was good at work. Sort of, I was amusing. So I let it go. And then about two days later, I get, I hear. I hear through the mu- musical grapevine in the studios that not only is the present president of RCA who likes us leaving, but this guy who hates us, Don Ellis, is maybe going to be the president of RCA. <laughs> this is just days <laughs> after ignoring Ike's commissive, right? So I start worrying, and I say, hey, I better send this in, put this in my shoe, maybe... You won't know that it wasn't. An <laughs> and, and so I do that, and then in the meantime, after another one comes at, at the same, just after I sent this one off, and and, and it says he sends a uh, one of those gloves that doctors use for proctology examinations, the Reverend Ike prayer glove. You punch it out of the plastic, right, and you have a little outline, and you right. put your hand in it, and right. whatever you want, be it money or a loved one. Or somebody healed, put their picture in in the glove, or put money in the glove, or put write down what you need and hold it in your hand and pray, and think of me, and then take the glove off and include your check for twenty nine ninety seven, and, <laughs> and and get it in the mailbox again by by ne- the day after you hear this by six thirty, and I start rushing getting this down too, and I send it to him and within this is about it's about Christmas time now president of RCA calls me up. Paul, I, I can't tell you much Christmas, but I want you to know that after New Year, Don Austin will no longer be with RCA. <laughs> this is like within a day, almost, of sending it in, probably before the Reverend even got it. So I, I sort of hold, hold faith in sort of some level of uh, Norman Vincent feel like positive thinking. You know, if you're doing it for the right cause and if you're going
2: against injustice, I hope you're right.
1: The album Nuclear Furniture was released later in 1984 and rose to number 28 on the Billboard charts. Paul continued to perform with Jefferson Airplane and Jefferson Starship members over the rest of his life. Though still, I think, the definitive Paul Kantner can be found on three albums, The Airplane's After Bathing at Baxter's and Crown of Creation, and the solo album Blows Against the Empire. Insofar as I can find, no novel by Paul Kantner ever found its way into print. To listen to more of these interviews, go to my website, bookwaves.com, or find the Bookwaves and Arts Waves podcasts at kpfa.org. Or you can subscribe to both podcasts via iTunes. Until next time, I'm Richard Walensky on the Area 941 Radio Walensky podcast.